This is your captain speaking. Welcome to another episode of DJ's Aviation Podcast. All systems are go, so lean back, grab a cup of coffee, and enjoy the show. This is DJ's Aviation Podcast. Everything aviation. Everything aviation. Aviation news, airline developments, analyzing route networks, expansions of airlines and aircraft news, and we talk about world events and life. DJ's Aviation has a Discord server that's officially partnered with Discord, and you can join with a link in the show notes or using the vanity URL discord.gg slash aviation. This is the DJ's Aviation Podcast, and now your host, Dan. Another week and another episode of the DJ's Aviation Podcast. Uh, This is the second episode in my 2022 mid-almost-year Canadian adventure. This is a series that you can listen to. Uh, I'm not too sure how I do series on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, but the first episode was flying on the uh, Qantas A330 in business class. Maybe I should edit the names of the podcast and put like episode, maybe like, episode one of the series, so then you know. Um, But this is episode two. This is the, as promised, continuation of the first episode. If you have not uh, listened to that one, definitely go back. It was the last one published in your Spotify or Apple feeds. As always, I will mention to you now, uh, this podcast is available anywhere. So whether you want to go and listen to it on Spotify, Apple, SoundCloud, just go to the platform of your choice for your streaming and you should be able to just search the podcast name and you will find the episodes. You should do. All the main ones are covered like Google, Amazon, Apple and Spotify. Um, And of course, follow it, review it if you do enjoy it. Today, as I mentioned, coverage is on my Air Canada 777 flight from Sydney to Vancouver. So as it's titled, it's my experience flying Air Canada long haul. If you previously listened to the podcast a couple of weeks ago, I would say I did cover my experience flying them short haul in a domestic sense almost. Uh, That is because I've already flown them previously from Vancouver through to Montreal and Montreal to Los Angeles on the 737 MAX and Airbus A220 respectively. Um, both decent experiences, but definitely found a few things lacking in the overall experience. Uh, and this was something I mentioned. And I think what was lacking was in relation to the amount I was paying for the ticket and maybe just how much was actually being provided to us for the cost. Um, and I sort of left it on the note of Good flight, nice experience, but was it worth the money? Probably no, and if there was a better alternative, I would have just gone with them. However, naturally, uh, I think we're still at the stage in the Canadian sector where it's probably easier to book tickets if they're separate, um, if you know what I mean. Like, if you're originating in Vancouver and then headed to Montreal, it's far easier to get a ticket other than Air Canada, but obviously my problem was um, starting out in Melbourne, Australia, so then you have the problems of code share agreements, you then have the difficulties when it comes to baggage, as in I could book one leg Qantas and then one leg Air Transit, but then I may have to pay hundreds of dollars excess baggage because they're not on the same ticket. It becomes very, very complex and and, and just complicated overall, so it, it almost becomes easier to just book with one airline and then unfortunately my fault, but probably the way of the system, it means I'm not able to necessarily, uh, how do I put it, experience all the other airlines. But that is something I want to do. That's sort of my mission. And hopefully that'll become more achievable, if you if you will, in the future, providing I do relocate permanently to Canada. Uh, we shall see what happens on that front. But 
Yes. So I left that note on the domestic travel, if you will, noting that, yes, I probably would have rather gone with another airline and seen what they were offering for their price, especially if the ticket was cheaper. But today was my first proper experience flying them a long haul. We're talking a 14 and a half hour flight from Sydney to Vancouver. Um, but before we can actually get on board the Air Canada experience, a lot happened before my flight even set off. And um, I'm not sure whether I'll title this, I almost missed my flight or something like the Air Canada long haul experience. I'm not too sure. You're also gonna have to excuse any road noise. Uh, that you can probably hear now. I do live in an area that's heavily being like under construction so it does mean that there's a lot of trucks carrying dirt and stuff being worked on so my apologies for any road noise. So I'll just start off where I think I left the previous podcast and that's in relation to landing in Sydney. We went we had a missed approach. What an incredible experience. Unfortunately, it added a lot of delays then getting into Sydney on what was a flight that was already delayed an hour plus. So by the time I deboarded the aircraft and was headed to collect my baggage, because as mentioned, um, I was flying with Air Canada, but this was not done through the one ticket. So the Qantas flight was separate to the Air Canada booking, uh, which definitely was annoying to a certain extent because I had to collect my bags. Uh, which added even more time. And obviously, if you know how Sydney Airport is, it means you need to transfer from one side of the airport to the other. There's a couple of options. You can take a bus, you can take a train, and, well, you can take, like, an Uber or taxi. Uh, so I was going to take the train. But at this point, I think it was maybe, like, 8.25, 8.30, and I had just arrived at the baggage uh, carousel. Now, you were probably thinking to yourself, there's no issues there if you're arriving at 8.30. Well, there was just a slight issue, and that was my flight to Vancouver was going to commence boarding in five minutes. So there's a couple of issues that arise from that, mainly that I'm not, I don't have my main checked baggage uh, and I'm on the other side of the airport, but I've not even dropped this bag at the check-in desk. That's a huge, a huge red flag because if you know international flights, the bag drop closes significantly prior to um, when you're boarding because the expectation is you've already cleared through security and are on your way. Uh, yeah, so the bag conveyor was not working, which just didn't didn't help my cause. And I feel like that happens way too often. There's always an issue. I mean, whether you're watching like Britain's busiest airport or something, there's always a problem with the conveyor and it just shuts down and then no bags can come out. So here's me stressing, looking at my watch, looking at my phone, knowing that I'm probably not going to make this Air Canada flight uh, and thinking about all the repercussions because as you're going to find out in the next couple of episodes... I had like four more flights after this one. So this was not my only journey. I had many, many more that I needed to link up with that were already on a tight schedule. So therefore having anything delayed, it became a massive, massive problem. So uh, yes, where are we? The bags were not coming out. However, thankfully, about five minutes after the first one arrived, I picked up mine and uh, looked at the watch on my left and saw that it was 8.40. So we had been boarding for five minutes. What's worth noting is I did not receive the Gmail notification that or the text message uh, that the flight was boarding yet. I just that was the time it was scheduled to, so I wasn't entirely sure um, when it was going to commence. I thought maybe it had, maybe it hadn't. But either way, uh, it doesn't really matter. Even if it was delayed, the bag drop would have been closed, which is the main thing I needed because you know I needed my bag. It had all my clothes and, and key equipment for work, so. I made the decision that I was just going to walk straight outside and jump in a cab. I felt like that was the quickest way. Uh, Trains are once every like seven or eight minutes. So then there's the risk that you have to go downstairs. I, being not someone from Sydney, needed to buy a ticket, which I've done in the past, but it's about seven bucks. 
uh, and then you've got to wait for the train and then you're just back to square one of going up escalators and lifts and I just thought it's easier if I jump in a taxi and it drops me right outside the check-in theoretically um got scammed and this is why I do not like taxis I got scammed it cost like 47 dollars Australian which is maybe like 25 USD and this was like a three-minute journey but at that point and I think I think that's why I do not I'll always say to someone I will never take a taxi I prefer Uber because I like prepaying I find every taxi driver I've ever been with either can't drive probably doesn't legally have their license or scams you when you're not looking Oh, it's just an awful experience. But that's just me. Some people may prefer taxis. I can't stand them. But at this point, I had no choice. Uh, I wasn't going to sit there and wait for an Uber. I just needed to take the first cab to get me as quick as possible to the international terminal. And um, yeah, it I, it was such a ridiculous amount. I was just like, look, I'm not. I can't. What am I going to do? Sit here in a locked taxi um, and try and argue the point as my I'm going to miss my flight. So it just it was very very frustrating. Uh, and I was, I was just like, it's typical, but it is what it is. Um, when I say it is what it is, it doesn't mean it's okay. But in that moment, I was like, honestly, I need to go and get them on my flight. So I, I can't deal with it. And uh, obviously being 21, it's very easy for them to do, intimidate you, if you will, in that experience. So anyway, made it into the, uh, the, the check-in desks, tried to look for where my flight was. Uh, they were saying check-in desk J. Where do you think I am? Check-in desk A. Where is J? The furthest desk away. So run across the entire airport. It was quite a long distance. It's the furthest check-in away. I didn't. Uh, it's it's like in the uh, anyone that's local to Sydney or has flown through it, you may know where the check-in desk J is. It's a it's almost in a connecting area. It's not in the main check-in desk. So made it there, and there were three women with uh, Donata, which is a ground handling airport company. They are incredible. I did work experience with them uh, when I was 16 and it was such an incredible experience to learn more about the airport and they were very, very kind and everyone I've experienced that's worked with Donata, pardon me, have been 10 out of 10 and this, this experience definitely just ramped that up to an 11. Uh, I arrived there and I was like for the flight to Vancouver and they're like, oh no, it's, it, we can't do anything. And, uh, one woman was like, no, we're, we're gonna, we can try. Like they haven't started boarding yet. So at this point it may be like eight fifty, nine o'clock. So it should be 30 minutes into boarding, but they haven't boarded because guess what? My saving grace, there was an engineering problem with the triple seven. So that's two planes in a row now that I was flying on. Both had engineering difficulties delaying the flight. But I was just like, this is the only flight in my entire world, uh, entire life, pardon me, that I've ever wanted to be delayed. And it was. So that was a welcome sight. So my bag got personally escorted down to the plane, which was another cool experience. Not that I got to see that happen, but I um, got to do it. She also explained to me that, you know, you have the risk that this bag will not be on the flight. And I said, honestly, as long as I'm on the flight, that's the main thing. We can deal with the bag later. That was my thinking. As long as the bag, you know, is put on the next flight. The last thing I want is this bag in Australia a week later and I have no clothes and, you know, absolutely nothing. That would be a major problem. But uh, turns out the delay was my saving grace because the bag did, did make it on the plane. And that's thanks to a newly purchased AirTag, which is something I got after an incident. You've probably heard me mention or you may have seen on Twitter um, someone on there had issues with finding their bag and getting it delivered and the air tag was like the saving grace and as someone who is based in australia i usually have to take a number of key f- flights like multiple so we're talking five or six uh, flights to get to my end destination uh, or it's many many hours of travel lots of transiting and you know the bag can end up anywhere so it's good to have like a little tag to be able to um 
keep track of where that is. And, and funnily enough, as you're going to find out, that, that actually came in handy on my first ever trip for a different reason to what I'm about to mention now. But yes, by the time I'd boarded, spoilers, I did make it. I saw that the bag was underneath me. So that was another massive sigh of relief. So yes, back to what I was saying, the bag got whisked away, but there were some difficulties printing out the bag tag because I had so many destinations on it, they couldn't print the right amount of paper or something to attach to the bag. So it was taking longer than necessary. And I was like, they're like, no, this is not the time. Do you know what I mean? This is not the time for the bags to be having issues. Uh, There was also another man with me who was on the same Qantas flight as me heading to Vancouver. Uh, and he had obviously incurred the exact same delay, but the difference was he had no checked baggage. So then we got our boarding passes, to which I had like four, and we had a private escort from a uh, worker with Donata. She took us through the express security area. We then went through the... uh, Where did we go through? Sorry, express customs. Then we went through express security, where all the airline staff go. Um, It was rapid and definitely appreciated because they could have just left us and said, go to the gate. And we probably wouldn't have made it, uh, but we, we skipped all the queues that were there, albeit it's still the pandemic in Australia. So the queues were not, say, extraordinarily long, but it saved time. And then we got a, a private escort directly to the gate to find out they hadn't even started boarding because there were still engineering difficulties. Um, I went up and explained my peanut allergy and a minute or two later, they started boarding and I was on the aircraft. So very, very much... Uh, hustle hustle and bustle and no no break like no bottle of water (laughs) he's just like uh, and we ran probably we ran to security and then we ran all through the terminal to find the gate so very very exhausting like 45 minutes and very very stressful i had parent my parents ringing up from uh, melbourne ringing air canada saying hey is there anything we can do and they're like no there's nothing you're just gonna have to find out when you get to the desk so i was grateful i was there and obviously i wanted to do a flight review to which there is going to be a flight review coming on the youtube channel and uh you'll be able to see all the visuals well some of the visuals to this but i couldn't necessarily how do you put it couldn't necessarily show off sydney airport i had to sort of just start filming as i was boarding uh because i only just made the flight uh, they were accommodating. I, I thought the staff were really nice, as always. I never have a problem with, with staff, usually. One thing I did notice uh, on the Air Canada flight, just as we were boarding, they're very, very strict on mask policy. Like, you may be listening to this, though, a year later, and, well, touch wood, hopefully masks don't, you know, persist for the rest of our lives. But uh, they're very, very strict in the sense of they do explicitly state that you'll be fined if they, they catch you. I don't know the authority that they're able to issue a, fl- a fine on. I saw there was some discrepancies on Twitter when I did mention it. Some people were saying that, yes, you they can give a fine. And some people were saying, well, no, they're not able to. I don't know. So don't even don't quote me on any of that. Um, but I do know that they were threatening the fine to people that weren't wearing it. In saying that, the people that weren't wearing it weren't exactly the type of people that were, say, just pulling it down to have some water or food. They were the type that just didn't want to wear it. So I could understand why they were being a bit more forceful, but it's something I had not previously experienced, and I've flown quite a bit during the latter end of the pandemic, if you will. Um, Obviously, didn't fly at all in 2020. My first flight was May 2021. Um, I've flown quite a fair bit since then. Uh, but yeah, so it, it was quite a, an experience to see that. As I said, I've not seen a Qantas be as like they'll they'll mention it. Other airlines will mention it on the PA, but I've obviously 
seen people not wear the mask and the, the flight attendants haven't been as, uh, yeah, they haven't been as forceful in that sense. So while I was on the aircraft and it was a bit late, our departure out of Sydney was an hour and a 10 minutes late. So um, we actually boarded at our basically departure time. So then similar to the Qantas experience, I was sat on the aircraft for another hour. So uh, that was funny. At that point, I was like, okay, I'm on the aircraft, let's go. But no, um, we had to wait because there were more engineering difficulties. And more. And funnily enough, my bag was not even the last thing that needed to be loaded. There were other bags and cargo that and freight, part of me, that had still not yet been loaded. So all the stars were aligning at this point in the journey and uh, was definitely grateful that I was on that aircraft and grateful that I could see my bag underneath. The weather in Sydney was terrible. Um pretty shocking rain definitely felt sorry for all the workers that were down there dealing with the aircraft getting drenched even in their raincoats very very heavy rain uh, and again was just grateful to be on the plane and in the comfort if you will of the aircraft this flight was in economy um so i did fly business on three of the five flights but they were all bid to upgrade so i didn't book the ticket business i booked the ticket uh, economy and then i bid the lowest amount for the flights that were available to bid for and all of them got accepted that's never happened to me before i usually try and bid to upgrade just you know why not the literal lowest amount i possibly can and i think because you don't lose the money unless you're accepted and then you can still reject the offer so let's say i bid to upgrade and they gave it to me but then i was like actually no i I can reject it so i just do it because it's like why not do you know what i mean let's see what happens but no all three flights came back Uh, And I was accepted for all three flights. But this one was not one of the ones where I was upgraded. In hindsight, pardon me, it probably would have been the coolest because it was like 14 and a half hours. Um, But thankfully, I did have a middle seat empty and someone on the aisle. So there was a little bit more room to stretch out. That being said, I think we can all agree that economy for 15 hours is never the most fun experience in the world. Whether you've got someone in the middle or someone on the aisle or three people uh, it's probably only good when you get three seats to yourself or four. Uh, but yeah, it is what it is. Do you know what I mean? You're just flying. You're getting to your destination. It's a seat at the very least. And how I'll always say to everyone, just got to be grateful that you're even in the position where you are able to fly, which I certainly am uh, very grateful that I'm in the position where I can fly to see my partner or fly to this. Um, so yes, never take that ever for granted. But naturally, 15 hours uh, in economy on a journey that's, say, maybe 35 hours. It's like, oof. Um, But in my head, I was looking ahead like, I'm going to get to fly business class. Because fun fact, this journey is the first time I've ever flown business class uh, on, like, my authority, if you will. Like, a ticket purchased by me. Um, That is because the two previous times I flew business, it was a upgrade because my flight got... um, cancelled or no it didn't get cancelled i got bumped off my flight last minute and then they were like his business class as a compensation it was me and like 20 other people we got upgraded um basically all of the business class on that flight was just everyone that was in economy like solo travelers that had been upgraded and we were loving life we couldn't believe it we're like no way i got a fruit platter (laughs) it was pretty cool but no this is the first time i have like paid even though it was minimum and it was like nothing in relation to how much a business class ticket would normally cost um it was very very awesome which is probably why i thought it was i mean was it worth it i probably could have done without it but you know what i mean it was like 
very a significant amount cheaper than if I wanted to just fly business for that flight to begin with, like a ridiculous amount cheaper. So yes, in economy for that one. Uh, as for the seat, honestly, uh, I found it Qantas to be far more comfortable, and uh, that's what I always say. Like it, it annoys me how bad Qantas is when it comes to everything bar the aircraft and the cabin crew because Qantas is a very good airline flying but if you need any type of customer support or any sort of issue goes you're just never going to get it and that's why I don't want to fly them long haul but I feel like their product is for the for what you're paying their product is the best in terms of uh where I'm living for the routes I'm traveling um I want to fly Singapore Qatar is also very very good but in terms of getting to North America I've flown American and I've flown Delta. Delta were honestly pretty good. Um, But naturally, I'm trying to go to Canada. And that's a little bit harder on the Delta network. And it was quite expensive. And it wasn't even going to get me to my end destination. So then, like I mentioned at the beginning, it throws that curveball of, well, you can fly Delta, but then you're going to need to book three more additional flights, which just makes it $3,000 more expensive. So it's like, I want to fly these airlines, but... Qantas are always the most convenient because they're Australian and the co-chair agreements that some airlines do not have. In saying that, with the partnership we're seeing with United and and we're seeing some more airlines from America partner with Australian carriers, it may be a little bit easier in the future. Like with co-chairing agreements to book on these airline sites, we'll see how that uh, unfolds. But uh, Qantas seems to me as onboard product, the best that I've experienced going to said destination uh american airlines was the worst by a country mile but their crew were also incredible but i can't be biased and just be like oh well the crew make it amazing they they did make that flight amazing and there were only 20 people on board the economy section but and this is a massive but i couldn't justify the seat on that american like it was it was really cramped and that's something everyone warned me of i was lucky i had three seats to myself so i didn't necessarily experience the crampness but at one point i just thought let me sit normally and see what this seat is like and i think that's when it hit me even when i tried to put down the tray table and look i'm not tall and i never have a problem in any other aircraft in any other airline but on this american 787 it was really bad really really bad so that's probably the one i'd stay clear of let me just go through my notes. Um, I did make a note of the load factor on board the Air Canada 777. It was uh, it was pretty busy. I'd say a load factor of maybe 70% in economy, maybe 70 to 75% in economy. So it was quite busy. I, I don't know the load factor in the, um, in the upper classes. I assume they were probably mostly full to my knowledge. They, us- they usually are economies where you'll have the gaps and there were definitely some gaps, but for the most part, it was pretty full and I would argue it was busier than the Qantas flight I took two months prior, if that makes sense. Um, I've got on here, the last couple of things is the Wi-Fi. This is something I would definitely... Oh, it's, 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 it's a scam, but it's like, I just don't understand it. So I, I've had two flights out of three with Air Canada at this point in the journey where Wi-Fi was available. Both times I paid and both times the Wi-Fi did not work. It either cut out every 30 seconds or 10 seconds or it booted me off the network and then tried to make me pay again. Um, I know that may come across as like, oh, grow like grow up to... I, people will say this, but uh, in the sense of grow up, there's at least you have Wi-Fi. I get that, but I'm trying to give this advice to someone that if you're going to pay the money, maybe don't. 
um, because I had nothing but difficulties and I paid, I think, about 30 to $40, which was meant to be the one where you can even get like watch YouTube. Now, I could watch YouTube, but for no more than five seconds, once an hour. So there were a lot of issues on that plane with the Wi-Fi, and that also happened on the A220 to Los Angeles. On the A220 to Los Angeles, it booted me off and tried to make me repay. Uh, so it was a bit of a complex system. In saying that, I had no issues with the Wi-Fi on the 777 from, where was it? From uh, Calgary to Montreal, and I also had Wi-Fi problems then from Vancouver to Calgary. So it seems like it's very hit and miss. And uh, that's why I'm saying, like, only if you really need to, maybe purchase it. But just be aware that it's probably not going to work. Nine times out of ten, you're going to be having significant issues with the uh, Wi-Fi. Uh, Whereas on other airlines, I've not had as many issues, say, like American Airlines. I mean, Qantas, you can forget it. They don't even have Wi-Fi on their long-haul aircraft yet, which is something they really need to work on. Uh, I believe some of the A330-200s do. I'm not too sure on the status of the 330-300s, and the 787s do not have Wi-Fi. So, uh, yeah, 787s don't have Wi-Fi. They really should, though, and um, m- maybe that, that that's got to be coming on the 350. I mean, there's no way someone's going to do 24 hours of flying, 22 hours of flying, and not have Wi-Fi. So hopefully that's something Qantas invests in sooner rather than later. It does honestly need to come. Uh, but yeah, sticking just to Air Canada in this sense, it's it's hit and miss. It can work, it cannot work. I think overall it's probably a bit of a scam, so I would I'd recommend to you not to purchase it. Uh, I don't know whether if you purchase the most expensive tier of Wi-Fi, which was like sixty bucks, seventy bucks, if it works and it's a thing of oh you buy the cheaper Wi-Fi, it doesn't work. I can't confirm or deny that. I bought the middle package, which was not the lowest and wasn't the most expensive, and it still didn't work properly. So be of that as you will. I won't say to do one thing or do the other. I've just warned you in this sense of to be to be mindful of that, that you may be spending your money and it not working uh, on that sense. So as for overall comfort, like I said, it was an okay product. It was a seat. Uh, it wasn't anything amazing. I had a couple of people warn me and say, oh no, you're flying Air Canada long haul. Um, it wasn't as bad as these people probably said, but naturally I said, as, as I told you just before, I think Delta and Qantas were better uh, for comfort on the actual plane. Food, decent. Uh, what was served? I have to go back into my photos and videos. I know for breakfast in the morning, we were served a dish of waffles. The other option was an, uh, a fresh fruit dish, I believe. Um, the waffles were not that amazing. Not as good as Delta's waffles, if you will. Uh, I'm just going through my photos to confirm what was served. So for lunch, it was like a beef chicken with rice and peas and corn and some carrot. And we were served a roll. I'm just going through as well. A little bit of cake and a side salad. That was nice. I honestly enjoyed that. As a snack, we were served a chicken Caesar salad with Tim Tams. So if you're Australian, you'll know what a Tim Tam is. Um, other than that, nothing else was served. Oh, yeah, and part of the breakfast was, again, a bread roll and some fresh fruit with the waffles. So, yeah, not too bad. Um, I enjoyed the chicken, the beef meal, pardon me, with rice far better than the waffles. And uh, it was adequate enough. I think the main meals that was served was on the business class, but it was good. I'll always say I have no problem with economy food. Um, obviously, it's not what it was a long time ago, but 
in terms of like quality and how I find it tastes, I do enjoy it. So, yeah. Other than that, there's not a whole lot else to say. We arrived into Vancouver, I think about 10 minutes after our scheduled arrival time. So, after the huge delays, it wasn't too bad. That is where I'm going to leave today's podcast. When I do pick it up, I'm going to pick it up in Vancouver, having just touched down from this flight, and I'll be covering my experience on business class on the A319 and my experience transiting through Vancouver. Then the next episode will be covering Air Canada's 777 business class product. And yeah, but what I should mention is there may be a little bit of a brief pause in this series. Uh, So you'll probably get the A319 podcast in two weeks. The reason for that is I'm interviewing someone uh, that works in the aviation industry on scheduling for routes and more. So I'll be doing that interview at the beginning of next week, and I want to get that out probably sooner than the next episode of this series. So hopefully that will provide you with some insight overall, and uh, I'm very interested to I'm very interested to hear what is said to me. And on top of that, I'm very interested to hear the reception from you guys and whether or not you enjoy it. Uh, I've been doing a, a lot more interviews this year, and I'm very grateful for the opportunity to have been able to do those with people within the industry. It's always a very very enjoyable opportunity for me and uh, to enhance my skills to grow them and and just to generally learn more about our industry that is so expansive whether it be in the private sector or the commercial sector so with that being said thanks very much for taking the time to listen to this podcast as mentioned there will still be another one coming in a week but it just probably won't be a continuation of this series it'll be an interview with uh, someone in our industry so yes take care thanks very much for listening i do hope you enjoyed it And I will see you next week for another episode of the DJ's Aviation Podcast. You've been listening to DJ's Aviation Podcast, one of the most unique podcasts on the internet, offering up your one-stop shop for all things aviation. We discuss aviation news, airline developments, analyze route networks, expansions of airlines and aircraft news. We hope you've enjoyed the show. We know we had fun. Make sure to like, rate, and leave a review. In the meantime, hook up with us on Twitter and YouTube at DJ's Aviation. If you're interested in rail, check out our second channel at DJ's Transport. Till next time.